Hey, Red Rocks. How you doing? Hey, will you do me a favor? Um, will you help me welcome everybody joining us at all of our campuses, those online, and of course, the men and women are the guy behind bars campus. We love you guys. We love you. All right, um, we're in this series called Snapshot, and um, I love the way that Chad explained what we're doing throughout this series. He referenced a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 1.3, that says this. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So in other words, listen, when we see Jesus, like whatever he says, anything that he does, he is the exact rep representation of God. And so when we get a snapshot of Jesus, we're getting a snapshot of God. And um, speaking of snapshots, can I share with you a little snapshot, snapshot of my vacation? Okay, I just got back from vacation. Um, this is about as tan as I can possibly get. It's sort of red. Um, but we, we saved up all of our time off, and we took two weeks of vacation, and it was magnificent. Um, but here, here's truly, first thought I had back the Monday morning we returned. First thought, this is what came across my mind. Why can't working out at the gym be more like going to a donut shop? <laughs> now, there's a little context behind this. Okay, so we went to one of these little places where, like, you ride bikes everywhere, you know? Like, there's a beach, and then you get on a bike, and you ride everywhere. And on my first day, I found a donut shop. For the next 13 days, I went to that donut shop every single morning. And it rained three of those days. I literally, it rained. I got on the bike. And it was funny because I was thinking back about my mornings. And every morning I would wake up. And no one had to tell me to go to the donut shop. I never really thought much about it. I got up. There was a pep in my step. I put my contacts in, got on my bike. A lot of mornings I forgot to ask anybody else if they wanted anything. I'm just like off to the donut shop. I loved going to the donut shop. And that's why on Monday morning when I came back, I'm like, okay, after 14 days in the donut shop, I probably should go to the gym. And when my alarm went off that Monday morning, I literally thought of a million reasons why I should not get up. Anybody else? You're like, oh, I shouldn't get up. This, uh, this is not good. I should not, something's wrong with my arm, my hip, <laughs> or something you know, like, it didn't feel anything like getting up and going to the donut shop. It felt nothing like that. In fact, it felt like awful, like real world, awful, just, ugh. And I started thinking about this, and I'm like, anybody ever feel like life sometimes feels a lot like just going to the gym? You ever wake up in the morning, and you're like, ugh. Just don't want to go to that job today. Or I just don't want to go down there and talk to those kids today. <laughs> I mean, life sometimes, sometimes, too often, it just feels like, ugh. And, and I think sometimes, like when we look at our lives, if we're really being honest, like we want our lives to be filled with like joy fruit and goodness, right? Like all of us, every single one of us want our lives to count. And, and my guess is, my guess is this, that that's why 
you guys are here. Well, like most of us are here because we want to find a life, like a fulfilled life. Now, not all of us are here because of that, because some of you are here because your creepy neighbor just will not stop inviting you. So, hey, welcome to Red Rocks. Look, but most of us, most of us, don't we want to live a different kind of life? Don't you wake up and you're like, I don't want to just exist. I want a life that counts, that's filled with passion and purpose and meaning and joy. I want to live, man. Well, today, we get a snapshot of somebody that I think story help, may help many of us get a picture of like how to truly live. Now, this story is found in Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 19. If you didn't bring your Bibles, no big deal. You're going to see some of the verses come on the side screen. Now, this story is one that I grew up with. I bet some of you, if you went to church, you, you know this story because there was a little story about, you know, this wee little guy. Um, Luke chapter 19 reads this way. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming his way. Now, I read this, and there was a little line that stood out to me, and that little line said something really big to me. The little line was, he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. And when I read that, I went, you know what? Something's going on with this guy. Like this guy, Zacchaeus, he's on a life mission. Now you say, why would you say that over this line? Well, well two things here. One, I don't know, have, have any of you ever been, have you ever been in a room where you knew you weren't welcome? You ever been somewhere where people didn't want you? Where you knew people didn't want you, you know? So a few years ago, um, in fact, Carson Bankard. Carson is who does all of our video work. And you know, he's on our creative, is our creative team not awesome? Can we give it up for our creative team? Our creative team's awesome. Okay, so I knew Carson when he was in high school. All right, he went to my youth group. Well, he went off to Palm Beach Atlantic and he gave me a call like sophomore year and he's like, hey, the Broncos are coming to play Miami it, opening weekend. Do you want to come down? I'm like, yes. So I flew down. Do we have a picture of that? So this is, this is me and Carson. It was so hot that day. It was so hot. Now, we both have our Broncos gear on. We're in Miami. And it, as soon as we got to our seats, and those were our seats, it was pretty clear that nobody in that section wanted us to be there. The guy beside us was like, you gotta be kidding me. You bought those tickets. The guys behind us were throwing stuff at us. They did not like us. In that game, the Broncos lost. And so we had to do the walk of shame all the way through the parking lot. And every Miami Dolphins fan let us know how we lost and we need to go back home and you're not welcome here ever. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you about tax collectors. Because none of us like to pay taxes. It's not fun. Nobody likes when, you know, April comes around, April 15th. Nobody likes it. But in, in Jesus' day, tax collecting was different. See, what Rome would do is um, they'd put out these contracts into communities. 
And then someone in that community would take the contract and it would basically be like, hey, here's what your province owes, you know? And anything above what you collect, you get to keep. Well, this was a pretty shrewd little deal because like they hired people from the neighborhood. Like people that you couldn't lie to if you had money hid somewhere because they knew you had money. And so that's why like most people hated tax collectors because these were like kids that grew up with your kids and now they're coming and shaking you down for money, right? Like taking your money. And Jesus knew this. Jesus actually, listen to what Jesus says about tax collectors. Matthew 18, it says, if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. <laughs> no, yeah, see, people, people didn't like tax collectors. They didn't get invited to neighborhood functions, to neighborhood birthday parties, and they would certainly not be welcome when like a guy like Jesus was coming into your neighborhood. Tax collectors aren't wanted there. And yet, Zacchaeus shows up in a place he knows nobody wants him. Second thing about this, is he's a rich guy. Now, he's ripped everybody off to get rich, right? But he's a rich guy. And when I see that he climbs a tree, let me just ask you, have you ever seen an adult rich guy climb a tree? <laughs> Look, adults shouldn't climb trees. I, I don't climb trees. There's a reason quickly why I don't climb trees. This is a true story too. Uh, Sean said, hey, we should go camping. I went, oh, okay, let's go camping. We got camping. There was a big old tree. And he said, hey, I bet you couldn't climb that tree. I go, I'm guaranteed I can climb that tree. And it was a big wide one. And so I started climbing up the tree and the first branch was like 12 feet tall. I couldn't get to that. Slid down the trunk, leaves go flying everywhere. I did it like four times. Slid down. I had like leaves and junk all over me. I couldn't climb the tree. Next morning, I wake up. The leaves on the tree, those weren't leaves on a tree. That was poison oak on a tree. I don't climb trees anymore. <laughs> so listen, when you see a guy go into a crowd that nobody wants him, and then when he can't see over the crowd, listen, it had nothing to do with him being short. It was the fact that the whole neighborhood was there. When that guy... That rich guy that nobody wants there will climb a tree to see what's going on. I'm telling you, something's up with that guy, right? And here's what I think. I think that Zacchaeus was definitely on a mission. He wanted what Jesus was selling. John 10.10. 10. This is Jesus' message. And it was reverberating around all that area. It was this, the thief. Now he comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but me, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I love the way that the message paraphrase sort of says it. He says this, I came, Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. Look, I don't know what Zacchaeus' life was like, but I have sat with lots of people who have gotten whatever they set out to get in this world and then looked at me and said, is this it? Is this it? Because see, I think like Zacchaeus is, he, he's like, like you and me. 
you get to the top of whatever it is that you plan on doing, that education, that money, that job. And I think he woke up one day and he said, look, I don't want to just exist. I want to be filled with passion and purpose and meaning and joy. I truly want to live. And I heard there was this guy. Like that day he woke up and he wasn't preoccupied with being a tax collector. He wasn't preoccupied. Again, I don't know what his life looked like, but I know what mine looked like. And my guess is we're all this way in some level, right? We all tend to get preoccupied with the stuff we're chasing in life. Like when I was in grade school, I was preoccupied with playing baseball. When I got to junior high, I was preoccupied with not being awkward. When I got to high school, you get preoccupied with girls, and then you go to college, and I was preoccupied with anything that had to do, you know, anything that wasn't studying. And then, you know, you, like you leave college, and then you get a job, and you get preoccupied with making money and climbing the ladder. And look, look, I'm not saying those things are bad in and of themselves. I just have started to understand that Oftentimes when we're preoccupied, we're not occupied with what matters most. I think this was Zacchaeus. And that morning, something happened. I don't know what it was, but for all of us, isn't it true? Every now and again, you get a glimpse of what you could be. Like, you get a glimpse or someone reminds you of something that you did that was a picture of what life could like, look like. Like, you know, you, you say something inspirational in a meeting and you never talk or you're patient with a three-year-old or maybe, you know, you recognize a homeless guy or somebody that everybody else ignores in that moment or you give freely and selflessly or you stand up to a bully. Like, it's in those moments that we get a glimpse of why God made us and how we could live and how we're meant to live. And I don't know, like if the night before, like he had had it and Zacchaeus' wife decided while he was sleeping, she was gonna write him a note and tell him the things she's seen in his life where he did the right thing. I don't know, but I know what those things do when you get a glimpse of what life could look like. I, I told you guys the last time that I spoke, um, I got a chance to go to India. And India has completely wrecked me. I gotta be honest, I'm 44. I cry at a lot of stuff now. I went to the Wonder Woman movie and I cried. I don't, I don't even know what I was crying about. Um, I, I seem to cry all the time because God did something there in me. But, but one particular instance I want to, want to tell you about. Um, so we, we were there, and, and Scott and I were having to take a trip from Bhopal across the country to Agra, and the only way for us to get there was this train. So we, we booked a night train. It was the night train to Agra, um, which sounds like an awesome country music song, doesn't it? Um, we get on this train, and I don't know if you've seen the movie Lion, but in that movie, he's like in one of those wooden trains. That's the train we were on. It just had metal slats, 
And I was exhausted. We hadn't slept in three days. And so we got on through our baggage. I climbed up on one of those metal slats. I literally just crashed. I was filthy. I got up in the middle of the night, didn't have shoes on, wandered into what was a bathroom. And it was literally just a little hole and I could see the track running underneath it. And then I went and got my shoes back on because I was afraid my feet might fall off. Um, And here's the kicker. It was my birthday. So my birthday was on the night train to Agra, exhausted, just tired and dirty and filthy. And I woke up the next morning and I got an email. Now, I'm gonna cry a lot during this, so I apologize right at the beginning. I wouldn't say normally I don't do this. Right now, I do. Um, (laughs) My wife sent me this email and she said this, she goes, I know your birthday is coming to an end in India, but we just woke up. How fun is it that you get your birthday for two days? Which is kind of fun. She said, you deserve to be doubly blessed. Then she says, I don't know another soul who works as hard and is capable of doing more than you. Like, you amaze me. And then she said this, and I... Gosh, she made me cry so hard. She said, thank you for being a man who cares about those living in underdeveloped countries and will travel the world to find ways for Red Rocks to help. And I just started crying, you know. You know, I'm not crying right now, but I did then. (laughs) I just started bawling. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. I want to be that guy more, right? Because I'm like the rest of you. I'm not him enough. I'm sometimes, lots of times, selfish and preoccupied and self-interested. But when she sent me this and reminded me like what I could be, I thought, well, that's what I want. I want to be that guy. Not because I'm supposed to or because somebody's telling me I should be, but because I want that. I want to be that. And here's why. Look, I'm 44, I'm just not a spring chicken anymore, you know? And I don't know how much longer I have on this planet. And I think, I think that Zacchaeus woke up that morning and was like, that's it. I'm not living this way anymore. I made a lot of money. I climbed the hill. Nobody does like me very much, but either way, I'm not living this way anymore. Enough's enough. I got to get some answers. And if I got to climb a tree, then I'll climb a tree. I'll jump a river. Whatever it takes, I hear a guy that's coming that has some answers. So I'm going to go check it out. And so the Bible tells us he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. So he climbs this tree, and everybody knows he's climbing a tree, right? The whole crowd's there. You climb a tree, and everybody knows you and hates you, they're they're taking notice. People are like, what is that idiot doing? Why is he climbing a tree? And then the best part, now my imagination sometimes with these, forgive me, this is not like a direct paraphrase or at all how it went down as far as I know. But I'm going to tell you, like, when I read this, like, I laughed out loud because I imagine Jesus walking up. And it tells us Jesus goes straight to the tree. Everybody's watching. Maybe a crowd bigger than this. Everybody's watching. Jesus just goes straight to the tree. 
And I imagine him looking up there being like, hey. Now, these sycamore trees, they have big old leaves. So it's not like he was like out in the open. He was probably trying to hide behind the leaves, you know, because he just wanted to hear Jesus. And you can almost see him like move the leaf and go, hey, Jesus. <laughs> and then Jesus is like, what, what, what are you doing? You see him go, climb in a tree. And then if I'm Jesus, I'm like, Jesus knows, right? He already knows. He's not asking questions because he asked him because he needs an answer. He needs you to, you know, I said this last time, he needs you to get an answer. But he's like, well, why are you climbing a tree? Zacchaeus is like, I don't know. <laughs> Just wanted to come see you. And this is the best part. And this is actually in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down right now immediately. I must stay at your home. Can't you see Jesus going, I like you. Anybody who's willing to brave this crowd and climb that tree, I like you. I'm coming over to your house. I love it because this snapshot, this little snapshot, is how we live the life Jesus had in mind for us. Now I know you're thinking, wait, how? Well, let, let, me, let me come at this a different way for a minute. The Apostle Paul, he writes most of the New Testament. This is interesting, at least it was to me. Do you know that the Apostle Paul only directly quotes Jesus three times in the New Testament. That's it. Now, I'm not proud of this, but there's been times that I've directly quoted Homer Simpson in one message. <laughs> he, doesn't, he quotes Jesus three times in Acts, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians. That's it. And when I heard that, I thought, well, Why? And I came across a theologian who wrote a little bit of why he thought maybe that was. And this is what he says. He says, maybe, just maybe, what transformed Paul wasn't Jesus' ethical precepts. It was something different. What gave Paul the courage to fulfill his mission, what transformed lives of those first century Christians producing men and women who were willing to face Roman legions and hungry lions. What fills with a life with purpose and passion and meaning and joy? It isn't these words. And then the Apostle Paul does write something about this. Now listen, because it's all right here. It's all right here. Colossians 1 26, 27, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, listen, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, and here it is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says, let me tell you the secret. Christ in you. Do you know that the Apostle Paul mentions Christ in you or you in Christ over 164 times in the New Testament? And this does have profound theological implications, but here's it. 
Here it is for us today. Paul thought that there was something more important than just the moral teachings of Jesus. And it was this. And we see it in the story of Zacchaeus lived out by Jesus that you can be with Jesus all the time. Like you can be with the creator of the universe all the time. All the time. You want the life that Jesus promised. If you want the life that Jesus promises in John 10, 10, you just let him come over to your house. That's it. We see this in this story with Zacchaeus. It's like, come here, be with me, and let me go over to your house. Purpose, passion, meaning, it's all found in me being with you. Now, I can tell you this about the story. From my perspective, this is not what Zacchaeus had in mind, right? I mean, I can't imagine that he really thought that the most important person that ever walked the planet would not just call him down from a tree, but then say, hey, let's go over to your house. Like, I don't think that's what he thought would happen. I think what he thought was, I'll go, I'll hear some nice things, I'll take those nice things, I'll go home and think about those nice things, and and maybe those nice things will help me kind of not be such a jerk, right? But that isn't what happens. And it's freaky. Like, your house is a real personal thing, right? Like, I don't think he probably cleaned up and was ready for Jesus to come over, right? Because I don't know that he was... And look, houses are personal stuff. My wife loves our house. I don't touch anything in that place. I don't talk about paint colors or couches or moving chairs. I just sit in there. That's my job. But I remember this one time, and this, is, this is cracks me up. We had been away um, on, on a trip, and we had this uh, event that was happening at our house, and Chrissy came to me and said, hey, I don't have time with the kids and, and the job to, to get everything in the house in order. Can I just hire somebody to come over and clean it? And I was like, I don't care. It's great. So the next morning I woke up and Chrissy is cleaning the house. And I was like, oh, I thought you were gonna, you know, have some cleaning folks come and clean the house. And she goes, oh yeah, I did. I said, you hired cleaning people? Uh-huh. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm cleaning bef- before they get here. <laughs> I was like, isn't, isn't that what the cleaning people do? They clean the house? Yeah, oh, they do, but Eric, I don't want them to think that we're dirty and pigs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think sometimes when we talk about living with Jesus, we have the same mentality, right? We're like, I need to hear a few things. I need to get some things in order. Jesus doesn't know me. I'm a straight mess. I am a straight, hot mess, man. And so I get some things in order. I I, I don't want him to see. Eric, you don't get it. I'm really filthy, and I'm dirty, and I'm really not a real solid dude. Even though I come around here every now and again, I just don't have it, you know, like... um, put together, I don't think Jesus would want to be seen associated with me. And we may not say it exactly like that, but we're thinking it. Well, you're in good company. 
Because in the Bible, when Jesus calls Zacchaeus down from the tree and they take off, listen, listen to what verse 7 says. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. You gotta be kidding me. Zacchaeus is the worst among us. And Jesus is going to hang out with that dude? Look, let me let you in on a secret. You don't need to get your house cleaned up to come to Jesus. Because Jesus is the house cleaner. Huh? Like, he's really good at it. He's great at cleaning up people's messy lives. But here's the other truth. In order for him to do some cleaning, you're going to have to come down from the tree and you're going to have to let him into your house. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to let him in. If you want to live, then you're going to have to let him come inside your life, be a part of your life, like, and lead you. Like, this is where life is found. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 39, that whoever, whoever finds their life will lose, will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is life. So your life's a mess. Fine. So your life is in turmoil. You're a wreck. You don't look like somebody who would follow Jesus. You don't know that Jesus would even want you. Hey, welcome to the crowd. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. My name is Eric Parks. Me too. Yeah, anybody else? But look, we got to quit being spectators. Sean said this last week. We're not building just crowds of people who are watching, we're building an army, right? We gotta come out of the tree. And let me say something, those of us that call this place home, let me just talk to, let's talk honestly for a minute. Sometimes I think we fail to see Jesus doing the kind of transformative work that we know he can do in our lives. And so often we're frustrated by it, us Christians. And if this isn't you, then just let this go. But here's what I've seen happen in my life. Let me tell you a story. Maybe this will help. I used to work at an oil and gas company. That oil and gas company decided to have a golf outing. So I got invited. Now, there were 11 guys who were senior associates. I was the only junior member that got invited, right? Well, this was like 99. Remember, there used to be like a Nike town right downtown? Dude, I drove straight to Nike town, and Tiger Woods had some just dope threads. So I got the most awesome Tiger Woods shoes and socks and pants and shirt. I didn't just do one golf club. I went, I doubled down two golf clubs. I show up to the golfing event and I, I mean, I looked awesome. I looked awesome. And guess who the first guy selected when they selected the teams were for the scramble? You know who number one was? This guy. Why? Because it looked like a golfer. I look like a golfer. Here's the problem. No, I mean, I'm terrible, like terrible. And so when I stepped up to the tee to hit it, I hit it and it went like 20 feet. I was like, oh, just a bad shoulder. And so I went down for the second one. I'm not kidding. I hit that thing and it went, the other, like that way, left or right, whatever. 
Here's the thing. I wasn't a golfer. I looked like one. I, I, I said some golf words, but I wasn't a golfer. Listen, listen, listen. Here's, here's the connection. Too often, we pick up some Christianese and we say some Christian stuff and we put some Christian trinkets around our life and we go, well, I think this is what I do so I can dress it up and make it, I'll look like a Christian and people will think I'm a Christian. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not dogging on you because most of the time that's out of like a really good place where you're like, I wanna be different. I do, I wanna figure it out. But here's the inevitable cycle. You get to the tee box of life and you make the mistake, right? That you see that thing or do that thing and you're like, oh, that's, that's not me. And so here's what we do. So we're like, I just got to try harder. So you get white knuckled. I'm going to try harder not to do that thing or to be more like, I'm just going to try harder. And, he, and you go from trying harder to feeling exhausted because you can't do it and you quit. But then you feel guilty. So you try harder, you get exhausted you quit, and then you feel guilty, and you'll do, we can do this for a while, but here's the inevitability, two outcomes. One, you finally go, Jesus, this whole thing isn't real. That life, life, life I've always wanted, no, it's not real, and you, you take off. Or, you just decide, no, no, this house, Jesus doesn't have the tools to clean this house. He can't fix me. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants you to live a victorious life. He wants you to break through and break free. He wants you to live. And I'm telling you this, he has no other agenda. It isn't like God has some unmet needs that he's hoping you can meet in him, right? He knows what the best you looks like. He made you. And he delights in the idea of you becoming that person. But listen, our role in this, our, we do have a role. And it is, we gotta learn how to live a with God life. See, do you believe like you can live more with God tomorrow than you did today if you just work at being with him. Like you can get closer to him tomorrow than you were today if we learn how to live with him, right? Now we could do a whole series. In fact, we've done some series in the past and I'm gonna point you to two that I'd say, look, you wanna start practicing living with him this is one. We did a series called Transit, and there's a book as well. And this talks about how do you pray and how does that begin to help you engage with God every single day? And how do you dive into scripture, engage with God every day? This is an absolutely wonderful resource. If you're somebody who's just come to Christ, or this might be your day where you're like, today's my day. I'm going to follow Jesus. You can go and you can talk to somebody um, in our lobbies and then give you this resource. But let me point you at another resource. This one's by John Ortberg. It's called The Life You've Always Wanted. That sounds pretty good. This is a fantastic resource to help you begin to say, how do I live with God? If God's made a way for me to be with him every single day, 
Now, how do I do that? Look, let me say this last thing. The life that Jesus promised, what I'm not saying to you is that life is always easy when you're walking with Jesus. I'm gonna be really clear about this. Because circumstances in our lives can be good. And if we're with Jesus in those circumstances, I can live in freedom and joy and peace and filled with purpose and filled with passion and meaning. But also, when circumstances aren't great, I can live in freedom and joy and peace and filled with purpose and passion and meaning because I'm with him either way. And this is what I'm learning these days. I'm learning that maybe God's more interested in changing me than he is changing my circumstances. That he wants to change me. And I want him to. I want to live with him. Jesus is inviting you over to his house, man, or himself to yours. And he wants to live with you. Jesus once said that with God, all things are possible. And the great thing about life with God is that your next step is always possible. No matter how much you've messed up in the past, it's always possible. This step towards God is always waiting, no matter what you've done. No matter how you faked it, doesn't matter. Because in John 3.16, it says how much he loves us. And then we know in Romans 5.8 that he's made a way and that if we've confessed our sins with our mouth and we proclaim Jesus, the son of the living God, that he can, he has made a way to take up residence in our life. And for me, man, when I read that, I think now that's a snapshot of a God who really loves me and a God that wants to make a way for me to live the life that I've always dreamt of. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thanks for making a way. Thanks for your son and for the cross. Thanks that you take up residence in us and that we can access all that that means. And this week, may we learn to live just a little bit more with you than we did the week previous. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand at all of our campuses? Yeah, let's stand and let's worship together.